Welcome to the Weird Learning Podcast with your hosts, Dr. Tracy Dix and Dr. Alex Patel, with special guest, Kia Morant. Today's episode, In Conversation, Study Tips with Kia Morant. Hello and welcome back to the Weird Learning Podcast. It's me, Alex Patel, and my good colleague, Tracy Dix, and we're here with Kia Morant to talk about something which often makes students struggle a little bit. So how to really succeed in your studies. Quite often, this is study skills, which can be a bit boring, but Mm. not today. We're going to look at it in a lot more detail and think about the techniques and practices and ways of working that will really help you succeed at university. Let's spend a little bit of time talking about, Kia, what your course is like. But first of all, could you please remind us again, like what course you're studying? Hi, yeah, um, I'm studying politics and economics at Aston currently, and I did study politics, philosophy and economics at Goldsmiths University. So now that you've got experience of studying at two different types of universities, let's talk a little bit about like what the teaching format is and how you've kind of managed them differently according to you know the different types of assessments. So shall we start with Aston first of all? So how is your course taught mostly at Aston? Okay, so we do our lectures primarily online. So we get each week we'll get, it depends, about three different recordings Mm -hmm. split into sections and then we'll get a reading, obviously, for these. And then we'll also have a seminar, but that's done at the university. Okay. so you're saying reading. So is that a reading list? Yeah. So how many bits of reading do you tend to have on a list like that? Depends on the module. Some are quite nice. Some will give us an actual like workbook, but then I think that lends itself to economics. And then for politics, it can range, uh, depending on the week, it can be between two to four. Okay. Items of reading. Yeah, but it depends if it's a book or if it's like articles or sometimes they put new stuff in there because it relates exactly to what we're doing. And do you get guidance about how to go about approaching these so if it was a book you know do you get guidance from the lecturer on what to do with it they'll tell us what part to look at but we haven't actually been told how to read in terms mm. of like academically <laughs> sounds weird to say yeah <laughs> yeah but no one's actually told us how to what to look out for how to read it which mm-hmm. I think would be useful yeah, it would be useful. Yeah. But I mean it sounds from you know our conversations before like you've figured a lot of that out already so um how do you approach your reading list I usually like so when I'm reading just for the week and not because of an essay or Mm -hmm. an assignment I'll just kind of go over it look for things that relate exactly to what we've done in the lecture Mm -hmm. look for um, where they talk about other authors that I think will be interesting to look at another time if I'm going to answer an essay on anything to do with this week yeah um and then oh we they release what sort of thing we're going to talk about in our seminars so I'll look for things that relate to what we're going to talk about in the seminar but I kind of like skim read it at first yeah to see exactly what bits are useful and then I'll go and read them properly afterwards because yeah. it could be quite a lot of reading yes I think much. that's yeah that's absolutely key so you are focusing aren't you you mm-hmm. you know instead of just going in and starting off at page one and reading the whole thing and thinking oh I need to memorize all of this which was what I used to do 
and it's very stressful, never finish. And boring. <laughs> You're thinking, you know, what do I need to get out of this? Is it linking it to the lecture? Is it preparing for the essay? Um, is it preparing for the discussion? And pulling out those key bits of information and reading those bits in a lot of detail. That sounds really, really helpful. Mm. And from what you said to us in a previous episode as well, you're very keen that, you know, the things you study and the issues you explore in your course are of, you know, your own interest. You know, you're not just kind of expecting or relying on, you know, your your tutors to teach you everything you know about politics and economics. You really want to make it your own and you really want to kind of forge your own path with the discipline. And I think that can be a really helpful perspective to have as well because you know you're getting what you want out of this university experience rather than you know having to do these assignments that someone else has set for you and having to figure out like what do they want from you so you can get like a first but you you're finding your own interest and approaching things in a way that you know lights you up and gives you purpose and along with that you know you're going to do a lot better as well because you know you actually want to do the reading and the studying rather than having to slog through it yeah no I, I don't I'd agree that I think it helps to enjoy what you're doing but also if you don't necessarily enjoy the module or the topic you're doing for that term it also helps to just find something in it that you like and then try and answer whatever you can on that because mm-hmm. I've found personally that when you are doing an essay or an exam or something that you find interesting you're going to do a lot better a lot better yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah and modules are usually very kind of conducive for doing that as well because you like most modules would kind of touch on a different topic each week and then when it comes to the assessment they'll give you a choice you know so it's never like one set question or anything like that they're usually options within it so you can definitely focus on you know things that resonate better with you than others And I mean, so I have admission here, but when I was at uni, I was not always that conscientious. And so you had the weekly reading. And what I often ended up doing, because I studied English and there was a lot of reading to do, was I sometimes ended up, especially with modules I disliked, (laughs) like linguistics, I often ended up doing the weekly reading if I knew I was going to use that as in my assessment. That's not necessarily what I'm telling people to do, Mm -hmm. but... Sometimes it happens and you get through it. So yeah. once you've you know, done a bit of reading, how do you capture that information? How do you like, do you make notes based on this? Yeah, I usually make notes on a laptop on a Word document. I think it's much easier to do it that way because then you can go in and edit it later if you're going to use it rather than having it on um, paper because it's yeah. just so doubles you the work. Copying and pasting? No, um, no. no. No, don't do that. That would be terrible. <laughs> Why would that be terrible? Uh, I don't think that you get anything from it if you do that. It's just like information that was already there, not somewhere else. I try and reword it or take, I'll read it and then close it and then write about it so that it's my own understanding of it. Mm. Or I'll write what I think about something. So if they've got an idea in there, I'll write whose idea it was and then what I think about it. So I've already kind of got. The bones of something that can actually be used later rather mm. than just copying a quote copying someone's yeah. work yeah 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 oh, that's a really great way of looking at it mm-hmm. okay what about referencing and citations how do you stay on top of those I'm really bad for that. <laughs> that's like the last thing I do like every time like you've got to do this earlier um, yeah. but I don't but I 
keep it in my notes where I'll write down whose work I'm citing and then I'll have my notes underneath where it says who's and the titles so that I can go to there's someone online called sites uh sites for you yeah and I'll do it all on there quickly so it doesn't take too long but it's something yeah, I think that you should do while you're writing don't do it at the end but I never follow that advice no. yeah. I think as long as you keep a record you should be able to catch up on them so for most assignments up to like you know 4,000 words long say you can probably keep up with your referencing if you do it how you've described but yeah when it comes to dissertations you might want to kind of do it as you go along and that's to come <laughs> would that be using some form of technology sometimes, sometimes but the technology so what the technology does for you in terms of your referencing and bibliography still needs to be checked and I mean, back in the day <laughs> when we were students, there was no technology for doing any of that. And it was, we got on fine. So I think it's it's often a personal preference thing because when it comes to using technology like EndNote, for example, to help you with your referencing, you have to invest a bit of time in figuring it how, out how it works and what it's like kind of pitfalls are. Um, so I think it's up to the individual whether they want to do that. I can be a bit of a control freak with certain things. And if there's something I, if I'm using a tool and I don't completely understand what it's doing to my references, I would rather do it myself. What do you think of it, Alex? When I was at university, we did have the technology. We were at the university at the same time, but um, Different I, university. I was in a science area. So um, they taught us to use RefWorks, RefManager, whatever it's called. Okay. And so I would just be like downloading all these abstracts onto this database, <laughs> not being selective. I would just have like hundreds, never actually read the papers because I wasn't being selective. Yeah. So, you know, the database just became a huge unwieldy <clears throat> thing. And then when it came to actually outputting the references as a list using the correct citation format, that was really, really different mm. back in the day. Mm. But nowadays... When I write an academic article, it's quite often around education, I use a small number of sources generally um, yeah. and really focus on those, go into a lot of detail. And so, you know, I, I just do it by hand, actually. Mm. Yeah. So, OK, talking about a small number of sources, what could be a million pound question for a lot of students and something we get asked a lot is how many items in your reference list or bibliography should you include in your assignment? Kia, do you have a response for that? My friends at uni seem to think this is excessive. I think that this is the right amount, but for every hundred words, I'll try and have at least one. Okay. So if I'm doing a 1,500 word essay, I'll have at least 15 references, but sometimes I do a bit more. Mm -hmm. It's not always going to be... Okay, so how many reference would you say is the right number for an assignment? So I usually have about one per hundred words. And that's because when I'm structuring it for each point, I'll do like a overview of the area of, of, of what I'm talking about. So there'll be like a mini literature review mm -hmm. um, where I'll talk about the work or the, or the theorists that I'm discussing, the works that are followed, the people that counteract what they say. So each of them will come with a reference because you're discussing their works or one or multiple yeah 
and then I'll use more references later on for evidence of what I'm saying. So even if it's a, it's a statistic or I'm describing a situation and I need to use someone else's work to discuss that. So by the end of it, say there's a 2,000 words essay, I'll usually have about 20, mm. 20 references yeah. for that. So you were telling us earlier that you think, like some of your fellow students think that's a little bit excessive. Like, So how many sources do you think they include? Do you have any idea? I think quite a lot of people will include all the ones on the reading list yeah. of what they're discussing. Yeah. And they'll have some for like evidence mm -hmm. and they'll have a couple of articles that they found. Mm -hmm. So usually around 10, 15, something, maybe less. Um, well, like a 1500 word essay. Yeah, but may maybe not that much even then. Yeah. Um, it depends who you're speaking to, but it usually it sounds like I've got the most out of the people that I know, which I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's that excessive personally, but. So I guess the answer to that question is there isn't really a definitive number. And that's why it's it's a question that's quite difficult to answer because when someone, you know, a lot of students approach us and they want like the, you should have 10 or you should have 15, but really it depends on the type of sources that you're using as well and how you engage with it. And really what academics are often looking for is your engagement with those debates. So from what you're saying, you know, you have kind of scoped the topic that you're like engaged with at that point in time. And you know all the current debates and you're familiar with like like seminal pieces of work. So maybe publications that are a lot older, but that people have kind of cited and, you know, drawn on since then. So they've, they're very important in some way. And then, you know, like from there, you kind of reviewed where the sort of scholarly discussion is around your topic up till now. And then you found like other bits of evidence, like data or, you know, interviews or whatever, you know, because some other pieces of work might not be properly published if it's too new, for example. So you've looked at those sources of evidence and then draw your own conclusions from that. And I mean, from what you're saying, you know, I don't think your course mates are doing anything wrong either, but they've just taken a different approach to it. So I guess, you know, the message for students who are listening to this podcast is as long as you are demonstrating some criticality and, you know, some original ideas come out of, you know, the, the resources that you, you've looked at for an assignment, then you're doing what you've been asked. Like, that should be fine. And there are no kind of right or like there are no definite right or wrong answers when it comes to how many sources do you need for like a thousand word or 2,000 word essay. Yeah. And if that has made you kind of think, well, what is criticality? I'm mm. sure we'll be doing a podcast on this in the future where we go into some different types of questions that you might ask to develop your critical analysis of something. Yeah, we'll look at some essay topics, but also Kia has talked about a little bit about criticality. You know, yes, yes that was a really good explanation. Your note taking and, you know, how you were saying that you don't, copy down quotes you don't copy and paste you write your own perspective like your own take on what's been said and you know how it's inspired you and yeah kind of other reactions like that 
If you found the information in our podcast useful, please share your aha moments by either tagging us at weird.learning on social media or telling us in a DM. We'd really love to hear from you so we can share even more helpful tips. Feel free to ask us questions about your uni assignments and we'll be sure to address them in future episodes or on our socials. So do follow us and or subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss new content. Finally, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, please tell your friends about it and consider leaving us a review on Google, iTunes, Spotify or whichever platform you use so that we can reach and help more people. It also means that we can make this podcast even better. If you email us a screenshot of your review, we'll also enter you in a weekly prize draw to win a half-hour study consultation with us, completely free. More information is available in our show notes. So if what we've covered in this podcast so far has been helpful, please get in touch and tell us, you know, what has resonated most with you so we can kind of do more of that. Be sure to tell your friends, so share the podcast with your friends so that, you know, more people can get the kind of help that they're looking for. And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode when a new one comes out. And do consider leaving us a review as well on iTunes or Apple Podcasts so that it helps us to reach more people and make the podcast better. I'd like to go back to lectures and note making. So we talked about doing notes for reading, but... What's it like in a lecture? How do you go about making notes in that situation? Um, or do you? Well, um, I do. Um, I did more when I was at Goldsmiths because it wasn't recorded. So Ooh. everything that they said, I was kind of like... Okay, okay. So can yeah. you explain what you mean by that? So what does it look like or what's it feel like to go to a lecture? Well, for Goldsmiths, at least, I would be sat in a row in those lots of rows of seats and someone at the front with a a whiteboard but a lot of the top a whiteboard um a projector um <laughs> but usually it depended on the lecturer because sometimes they didn't actually use it they were like quite old school they've been teaching the same lecture <laughs> for a long time and they would just maybe just rock up sit on the desk at the front and speak to us yeah yeah i had a psychology lecturer who did that <laughs> and okay. see and that's why it's so important to collaborate with students and like shake things up a little bit <laughs> yeah so um we, I would I would write extensive notes then um, but I think I came to realise that that wasn't necessarily the most useful because I wouldn't okay. use a lot of it and it wouldn't actually help me mm. I wasn't ne- necessarily had a very good flow to it because I was writing so quick that I was kind of missing stuff or and I was like oh I'll come back to that and I, ne- I never did so I'll come back to it a month later and be like oh I don't know what I was trying to say um, so now I asked them all my lectures are recorded I've got I can download the powerpoints as well and then they've got like a transcript so I don't feel the need to write so extensively I kind of just write what I think is interesting or if the Mm. lecturer says something that isn't written down on the actual powerpoint that I think I'll forget and I won't think to look at that I'll make sure that I write that down exactly as they say it Um, Mm. it helps to be able to rewind it and go back over it so what do you do with the notes once you've done this? Like, um, what do you use them for? Uh, I look back over them when I'm going to be doing my essays or my assignments. So I'll review them as part of the, as my revision, I suppose. Mm. Um, but I keep them quite particular. So I've got I've got a, a file on my laptop for each module, and then I've got a file for each week. And then in that, I've got a file for the lecture, the seminar, and the reading, which is a bit extensive, but it kind of keeps everything in order mm, very sensible 
So do you kind of use Windows files? Because you talk, we were talking about Word documents earlier. You don't use any apps for note making, like Notability or anything? Just um, just Word. Just Word? Mm. Well, it does the job. Mm. I used Word <laughs> a long time ago. I used pen and paper and ring binders. Yeah. I'm looking used... around all these ring binders. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> Okay, um, so something that your mum mentioned to me a while ago, which I was very impressed about, but she was telling me that you listen to things like podcasts when you're studying, but also she was telling me that you kind of do your writing at the same time while you're listening to those podcasts, and I was very impressed by that level of multitasking. Would you mind telling us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so usually I'll listen to podcasts or documentaries or um, even interviews with people, depending on what I'm doing, if it's politics, it helps. But um, on the subject of, of of the topic that I'm doing the essay for, the assignment, and um, I'll do it while I'm planning it out, not while I'm actually writing the essay, because that would be a bit too intense, <laughs> uh, having someone speak at the same time. But it kind of just helps, while you're trying to plan things out, have people come up with ideas that you can look into more, or they might say something that like, sparks a bit of more inspiration into what to discuss. So... I think it's quite useful to to do like a wider range of research rather than just reading. Mm. Yeah, and before you um, before we started recording, you were telling us that you kind of listen to lectures from other universities as well. Like, what gave you the idea to go and look for them? Um, I first did that because we had a module that was basically international relations, and I had never done it before. And my lecturer, I didn't really make a big deal about the fact that this is international relations when I was doing reading and kept seeing all these international relations terms and I was like oh okay so there's a whole different subject topic here that we're not getting all the theorists Mm. for we're not getting all the keywords for so I just started watching this lecture series by this I can't remember his name it was this lecturer from I think it was the University of Philadelphia Mm. um it was very good and I took lots of notes on that. When he suggested a reading, I wrote it down and I did the reading. But it's something I still do now, maybe on a specific topic that we haven't looked at at uni. Um, so I've watched lectures on apartheid. I've watched lectures on like things that we haven't specifically covered in detail, just to get more of a range of knowledge on it so I can look further mm. into And the great thing there is you're going to experts on this. You know, they're employed by a university to be teaching on a degree it means they have some expertise in this area. Do you use Wikipedia at all? I do use Wikipedia, but I I look at the authors that they've cited. So I'll go and have a look at all the works they've used and then I'll read that and then I'll have a look at what works. I love to look at the citations and all the books I reference as well. So I'm like, okay, so let me look at this person. Yeah. 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 People call that a citation trail, don't they? Okay, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever included something from Wikipedia in your reference list? No, I don't think I have. I've never done that. Um, Why not? It was made very clear to us at the beginning of each uni I've been at that you should not do that. So That's really interesting, isn't it? (laughs) So, okay. I mean, we can discuss that a little bit more later on in like another episode. I think universities like to keep things simple for students and, you know, like coming from like the school system where there's sort of harder and faster rules as to what you should and shouldn't do in your assessment like that can be more reassuring to students like what not to do so it's almost I guess it's almost safer to tell students don't reference Wikipedia we have had someone else kind of say you know if you have used Wikipedia as a source then you should just reference it but 
opinion is very mixed on that. And on the whole, I think I've come across more academics who say don't use it than oh, ones definitely. who do. Yeah. Um, but sometimes people just use Wikipedia to get an overview. Sounds like that's yeah. a bit like what you do, but you don't rely on it. You have to rely on really concrete pieces of research or analysis. Peer-reviewed work. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there is no harm in using Wikipedia as like the kind of building blocks for your understanding of something before you develop the argument. Before you go into it further. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't remember if it was in the previous episode, but you were talking about having to do group work at uni. Do you enjoy group work? Um, I don't. (laughs) <laughs> why is that I got the impression you did from what you were saying before I've enjoyed it being able to meet people yeah it's been extremely stressful I think I just have a standard of work that I like to put out and you can't tell people to do things the way that you do them or you can't tell them that they have to do they can't do what they're doing because it doesn't sound like it's gonna fit conclusive oh, you know you can't yeah. be mean and I don't <laughs> want to be I don't want to be mean but I'm also very like I want to get this grade so it's it's a difficult, difficult. It's yeah. a negotiation it yeah. is a negotiation so it's it's very common at universities when you talk to academics about you know when they set kind of group work assignments students usually hate it and often for the reasons that you say you know students kind of complain that you know other people aren't pulling their weight or whatever but I guess you know part of it is that you know what academics are trying to do is create a kind of real world assessment like a real world situation and students might study together, but like it's a bit of a different situation when you're asking a group of students to kind of come together on like a deliverable, like something that where there is a lot at stake. But, you know, often is the case kind of even in work environments that people sort of pull their weight differently and there are lots of other dynamics at play. And I think that is part of the learning experience and part of like, how do you navigate that in order to deliver the results? So I'm curious, like, what do you do? Like you say, you know, if like your fellow students are kind of going off and doing their own thing, how do you kind of address the things that kind of don't sit well with you? Well, I've gone through a, um, I've gone through lots of different situations that have made me understand how to be better at that. Because at one point I literally just redid it and said, guys, this was not good. Like, I mean, oh. like, I didn't want to be me and I was like, this isn't working. They're like, yeah, we know. And I'm like, well, I've done this. And I sent it in. They're like, oh, thank you. I'm like, of course you're thanking me. That's <laughs> great. Um, and then we've done wow, but that's not good for you because you're doing the workload of three people and in a really short space learning. of time. Yeah, yeah, they're not learning how to how to do things correctly. Um, but did they? You know, when you were saying about being mean or not being mean, like, so it sounds like your course mates at least didn't think you were being mean because they thanked you for it and. At the end of it, because they got like the higher grade, it sounds like they were fairly happy with that. I think they didn't think I was being mean because I didn't tell them up front that what no. they've done isn't good. I don't want to be rude, but it, it wasn't <laughs> good. But there, there was a case of plagiarism because they'd actually Ooh. wrote stuff down that I had read the source for. Ooh, and it was yeah, word for word. Yeah. And to watch out for in a group project yeah. because, you know, plagiarism at universities often has penalties. Yeah. Um, so if there's a case of that, then it can mean consequences. For the entire group. For the entire group. But that's the value of the group dynamic because, Kia, you picked it up and you corrected it. And potentially as well, you've helped your fellow student because, you know, kind of going forward with their individual work, they would hopefully understand mm-hmm. Did your you corrections did they learn oh, yeah that? did you tell them you changed it I'm trying to remember um when 
I think I might have told them that I've read that. I didn't, I wasn't upfront, like I can see you've copied and pasted, but I was like, this is like very <laughs> close to the original yeah. source, which wasn't actually an academic journal either. It was a news article <laughs> and they'd copied and pasted like a large chunk of it too. So it's yeah. just, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't great. Not ideal on several levels. No. Yeah. Mm. But you said you'd learned from this experience. Yeah, so I had a similar experience again, um, where I didn't like the direction. I didn't feel like what we were doing was actually very academically sound. It just it just was going so off piste. So can you remember what it was? I'm trying to remember now. Okay. No, don't worry about that. It yeah. was a, it was an essay. It was a group essay. I think we had all together, it was like four thousand words, oh, three thousand wow. words each. Yeah. And it was very like fragmented. People weren't attending the meetings. It was just it was not great. But we kind of like got together and we we're like, okay, so what exactly are you doing? What exactly are you doing? And it was just was, it just was not, it didn't fit together. It wasn't going to flow well. It just wasn't hitting everything it needed to do. So mm. I kind of, instead of what I would, what I would have done, if, um, if it was down to me, I would have just done the whole thing. <laughs> and then I would have sent it to them and said, do you like this? <laughs> but it's not good for me. It's not good for anyone else. So yeah. I just, we had another meeting I made sure everyone attended and then we just spoke for like a really long time about what we're going to do I went through the objectives with them and I was like this is why this isn't gonna fit that this is why this isn't gonna fit that and then we kind of came up with an idea of how else we were gonna approach it and then we went off and did it and it did actually it came together together. yeah well yeah well done and (laughs) you know but so what's coming out of you know all these experiences that you're not enjoying is there was quite a lot of growth happening because you are starting to realise probably that you've got some quite strong leadership skills. I didn't think, yeah, I guess I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah you do because, yeah. you know, you facilitated these meetings and, you know, talked about things for a long time and made sure like everyone understood and then it came together and they were able to contribute as well. And I think you're realising early on and, you know, a lot of kind of adults, or you know, people who are older still struggle with this that you know you had trouble delegating initially and kind of trusting other people to kind of get on with the work but now you've learned how to support them through it so it helps you to avoid overwhelm and you know so you don't you know in future when you go into a professional environment and so on you will not be tempted to kind of just take on the work of other people and just do it for them because obviously that's going to lead to burnout you can't do it all the time so yeah I think valuable life lessons coming out and I think the group work has served its purpose <laughs> yeah, yeah unfortunately it took a while to get that but, <laughs> but you know a lot, a lot of life lessons are tough aren't they yeah definitely definitely but facilitation is a really uh, useful skill to develop Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I wrote this question really early on, and I think we can cover it now. So what has been your biggest inspiration in terms of influencing how you study and prepare for assessments? So um, I don't know, it's interesting for me because I wouldn't say I've necessarily seen something that's influenced how I do it. I think it's just been kind of learning over time. Because yes. at school, I was also kind of like, I was the type of person where I didn't have to try very hard mm. to do well. So I didn't try hard at all. I don't think I revised until the last week for my GCSEs and I don't think that's a good thing I think it's really bad and actually for everyone that I know that has had the same thing never really struggled as they've yeah. progressed yeah. because yeah. you're so used to it and then you get to uni and it's just like it's not going to work you can't so would you say you struggled at uni because of being like naturally talented um, or naturally good at certain things I think I realized at the end of A levels they wasn't working anyway yeah I think I that was like a lot of work 
And I was like, okay, we can't keep coasting, 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 and then trying. So I was already prepared for that at uni. So I think it hit me very quickly how much work I was actually going to have to do to mm-hmm. do well. It wasn't just knowing. You had to expand on what you know. So, it, yeah, you couldn't just uh, coast by. So I kind of just, I think I, I watched some videos on YouTube of like other students and how they suggested that you should go about preparing for essays just your reading your note taking all of this and it didn't necessarily work for me but I think it was really good to see other people's opinions and what you should do because you can yeah. try it and then you can find out that that's not how you should mm. I don't know if there's anything else that really inspired the way that I work now I think it was just trial and error mm-hmm. so you have exams is that right I do but they're all 24-hour exams so far yeah so how do you prepare for those I'll look at the the spec what they say that we're going to do the how many questions we're going to answer how much weight we should give to each question I'll kind of try and come up beforehand with a plan of what I'm going to do for the day and I always spend the whole 24 hours I know everyone can't do that but I (laughs) I spend the whole time every time um oh wow I don't know if everyone should do that it's not very healthy but if you can then well, it, I think it depends, doesn't it? Like, do you have a cluster of 24-hour exams that you have to work on at the same time? So because I that, and that wasn't good. How many, like, what's the largest number of exams you've had at the same time? I think four. So that would be, like, so would it be, like, four separate days or 24 hours? Oh, sorry, hours no, 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 they would never overlap, yeah. Oh. Separate days, yeah. So that could be potentially four full days when you don't get any sleep. But, I mean, yeah, so my thinking is if you had to do it just, the one time for the one block of 24 hours it'd probably be okay just as a one-off but like if you then <laughs> if you then had to do that four times like in the same week or something then maybe not so much I think it depends on how you can even do how you how you go about answering an essay because it yeah. takes me a really long time to decide what I'm going to do so it's not like I'm writing for the whole 24 hours some people already can just go straight into it and do it and if you can do that I think get it done as quick as you can go back to it the next day mm. or hours later go over it and keep doing yeah. that but I had to spend a really long time just deciding what I'm going to write I already know what aspect of the module I'm going to do it on because I'll usually say you answer on two weeks worth of so you'll mm. pick two subject matters that you want to talk about so already have gone over that in my mind but yeah I, I, I sit and I think about how I'm going to answer it and I'll look at what I've written down on my notes I'll look at my readings I'll just keep going over all the stuff that I've got prepared mm. and then decide how I'm gonna answer it and then during the last like 12 hours that's when I'll be writing editing wow yeah it's a bit intense that's very intense yeah I wouldn't so, suggest everyone do the same thing so I have been you know sitting with people um lecturers who have been designing these exams or this type of thing and their point of view has always been, you know, this is a three-hour exam. You know, we don't want students to be doing this for the whole 24 hours. They do say that as well, but I'm like, I know, but I can't not. I just, I can't not spend time. Yeah, so it's difficult. You're very motivated and you're naturally very analytical, aren't you? I would say that that's fair, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, you mentioned that, you know, for a lot of your course mates, you know, they get like the exam questions and they go straight into writing it. Do you know kind of how, what kind of grades they're getting um, using that approach? About like 2-1. Okay. Usually around 2-1. And um, so you were, just because you kind of mentioned like, you know, getting the kind of grades that you want through group work and stuff like that, like what kind of grades do you get? 
usually at first, usually in the 70s. I've got an 80 before. That oh, was good. That's um, very good. I try I try not to go below a 2 1. I want to yeah with the first. Yeah. yeah. So okay. So I mean, I took a bit of a leap of faith by asking you that question, and it's come out kind of as I hoped too. Yeah. So kind of like in my experience, I do often find that students who sort of rush to answer a question, you know, a lot of them they read a topic, and they're just like, okay, I know, I know the answer to this, and they start writing straight away. Now a two one is a perfectly respectable grade. There's nothing wrong with that, but that is often what you end up with I would say it wouldn't really make a first you know because just the implication of that approach like kind of rushing into it without kind of planning and you know reflecting a little bit and stuff and like really analyzing like what is at play here often means that you don't kind of reach that higher level in terms of criticality would you say so Alex? Oh, definitely definitely but yeah, it can it can produce a perfectly respectable grade. Like a two one is fine, you know, if it's what you're happy with. Yeah. So I mean, that's all I was going to say about that, really. But also, Kia, you mentioned earlier on about how much planning you do, and then you kind of said that at toward you know towards the end, like the writing flows very smoothly for you a lot of the time. And I think that's also one of the benefits to working the way that you do. You know, once you've analyzed you kind of collated all the information you've interacted with like you know the kind of current scholarly debates like you know where you stand when it comes to the topic that you're engaging with so from there the writing does flow much more easily because you know exactly what you want to say so for people who kind of think that the writing up process is like really hard and a slog very often it's a sign that you know more planning could have taken place earlier on to make the process easier mm. Yeah, more links between different areas, more yeah. analysis. Yeah. But also just being clear in your mind, like where you stand on a on a topic. Yeah. yeah. There are always going to be times when students will struggle. And you know, a university degree is quite a difficult thing to undertake. Have you got any advice to, you know, other students on how to deal with these challenges? Like are there any things you would have kind of told yourself in your first year with the benefit of experience now? Yeah, I think I try to whenever I would struggle, I kind of hide the fact that I was struggling. I think I think it, you kind of feel like everyone else is doing well. Mm. Or or you even if you don't know, because you don't necessarily talk to your friends about mm. every grade you've got. So yeah. you assume they have from what they've said, but I think it's I think it's good to be open with your friends or with your family or whoever it is that you go to for support. Be like I'm really really struggling now, um because you'll realise that this isn't uncommon. I feel like everyone is struggling at some point, yeah. usually at the same time. Um, yeah, especially if they're on the same course as you. Um, but also there's usually people at uni that are there to help, and it's kind of like hard to speak to people. I understand that, but when you do, you realise that everyone just wants you to succeed. So mm-hmm. it's it's good to reach out to the to the support team however that may be um I think there's a like a health and well-being team usually that will help you if you're yeah, going through yeah. something so I, I would suggest to do that yeah and then there's academic support quite often so yeah. um might be librarians or um study skills advisors mm-hmm. or um, personal or, tutor yeah module leader yes. so personal tutors can be very helpful in terms of they have the insight into your discipline your mm-hmm. subject area and how things are done there specifically mm-hmm. so do make use of all these resources that are available yeah and I mean this is something we said before like one of the kind of key sort of premises of a university education is independent learning and you know you'll often hear that 
oh, at university, you're expected to be more of an independent learner than before. And it's quite common for students to interpret that as, oh, that, this means I need to do everything myself. And that is not true. The independent side of things is, you know, like Kia has said before, you kind of figure out what aspects of the course or what aspects of a discipline you're, inter you're interested in and um, try and take things in that sort of direction. But there are people always to kind of support you along the way. And you should always ask for help. It doesn't matter how late <laughs> Although, you know, if you leave things a little bit too late, you might struggle a bit. But like, for example, last week, I had a request from a student who kind of asked us when he could start his dissertation. This was on a Friday. And I mean, I have this, I felt for him because most master students are getting ready to submit around this time of year. So I think he was a bit behind. So I just quickly told him, you know, so he wasn't kind of waiting till the next week for an appointment. I just kind of quickly said, you know, if you've got your module handbook and you've got your assessment guidance, you can start from then. And I, I don't really know what came of that request, but hopefully he got the message and has, you know, set things in motion to complete his dissertation. So, yes, ask for help. It doesn't matter how late. There's always something we can do or, you know, the various teams in universities can do to help you. And Kia is right. People do want you to succeed. So thank you for listening. Mm hmm. We hope you found this useful. We've certainly enjoyed having a discussion and getting to yes. grips with study skills in quite a lot of depth. So I hope you appreciate that learning to research and work and think at university is a lot more complex than just writing an essay or whatever. Yeah, It takes a lot of time and effort and development over the course of your degree. Yeah, and I hope you found it really valuable having Kia's insight as well as a student. We've certainly enjoyed talking to you about all these issues and kind of seeing things from your lens. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so in our most recent episodes, we've mentioned how to navigate your reading list, and this episode has been on study tips. So this is a good time to remind you that we mentioned a free webinar in our previous episode, episode 6 on navigating your reading list. Many of you will already have received information about your first assignment since the start of this academic year. So we really want to get in early and help you with it. So you don't waste lots of time finding unsuitable resources, reading irrelevant material and feeling overwhelmed. As I've said before, analysing your essay topic is the most effective way to help you understand what resources you need to read, exactly what evidence you're looking for, how to critically engage with it, and it will even start to give you clarity on how to structure your assignments. If you want to be on your way to starting your first class essay, then click on the link in our show notes to sign up now. And remember, if you send us the topic you're working on at the moment, we'll even apply the principles we're teaching to your assignment. So get in touch. All the links to sign up and contact us are in our show notes. We can't wait to help you with starting your first class essay at our workshop. And if you can't make it live, don't worry, the workshop will be available for a limited time so you can catch up on the replay. See you there. Take care. Thanks. Bye. You have been listening to The Weird Learning Podcast with Dr. Tracy Dix and Dr. Alex Patel with special guest Kia Morant. Music by Defect Machine from Pixabay. Produced by Kelly Costigan.